Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Pete Waltz. This week, we continue our focus on the biggest issues affecting businesses and organizations globally, the impact of the ongoing challenges of COVID-19. And along with bringing you critical updates and events that are happening all around the world, we're always fortunate to have the chance to bring our local ELA lawyers that practice on the ground in these jurisdictions into our conversation. And these good folks are working daily with their local clients to help them move through these difficult times. Well, in the past months, we've covered a lot of ground since the outbreak began. We began getting updates from colleagues in China, Italy, France, India, then across the African continent, the Asia Pacific region, Latin America, and then to the US and Canada. And businesses all across the globe at this stage are at various phases of the pandemic. And in today's program, we get to check back and shift over to the African continent where we're visiting with a colleague we met with a few months ago. Joining us today on the program is Shemaine Amin, a partner at ALN Tanzania, who's joining us from DAR. She also joined us back in April in episode 144. And today she's gonna to shed some light on how business has been impacted in her country what recent legislation, government directives are happening, and how things are going in general. Shemaine, welcome back to the program. I hope you're still safe and well. Hi, Pete. It's a pleasure to be back, and we're all keeping well at this end, and I hope that things are good at your end, too. They are, but they're strange. Boy, I'll tell you, depending on where you are in the, in the U.S., I'm in Arizona today, which, according to the most recent map, I believe is the number one percentage-wise infected place in the world in little old Arizona here. Needless to say, my wife is saying, wear a mask, be careful. And the U.S. is going through lots of rebounds. But I would say things aren't the same all around the world. At least that's what I'm hearing. So let's talk about Tanzania. What have been some of the key developments in terms of COVID-19 on how that's impacted life and business in your country? And also, are businesses opening over there? What's going on there? Thanks, Pete. And, you know, just to, to draw a comparison to that, here in Tanzania, the approach has been a unique one. And when we last spoke, which was three months ago, Tanzania was sort of at its peak during that time. And, you know, the government had categorically ruled out a lockdown. That never changed. So over the last couple of months, things have been open for business. The narrative has been business as usual. We've seen a mixed bag of response from, from people in the market. So a lot of folks shifted to you know, working remotely or scaling down shifts, a few companies closed down operations temporarily. I think it was a period in which people were, were trying to figure out which way was up and how they wanted to move forward. We shifted from a more, you know, stringent set of requirements where there was a travel ban, schools were closed for a while, restaurants and bars were closed for a while. And around the end of May into June, we started to see that relax. As of about a week ago, our schools are now open. Our skies are also open. So the, the airlines that you know, have Dar es Salaam on their, on their travel route are landing and, and taking passengers. We also had the announcement of our, our new budget for the 2020 and 2021 fiscal year. And while we haven't had any you know, specific relief that's been offered to, you know, to employers and businesses in general, we did see uh, the Bank of Tanzania reduce its benchmark lending rate to help cushion the banks. I think that's probably one of the most salient things that we saw as far as legislative changes went. And, and you know, during this period, it's been interesting to see that we're one of the few countries that hasn't had any 
COVID-related legislation that's been introduced or any amendments to the existing legislation. So that's been sort of an interesting space for employers to navigate. And uh, now I think, you know, as we've talked to more and more clients, they're feeling the pressure to start finding some semblance of normalcy again. So are there obligations, I mean, since you've really been moving along kind of since the beginning in the same route, are there key obligations that employers need to consider as a part of reopening their businesses? Absolutely. And, you know, although, as I mentioned, we haven't had specific COVID-related legislation, our existing legislation does capture these types of events. And so the way that I look at it is you've got two buckets of obligations. Your first one is your health and safety side. The second one is the employment side. And, you know, on the health and safety, there are are two subsets here. So we have obviously the Occupational Health and Safety Act, uh, and we also have a Public Health Act. This has spurred an an interesting debate in Tanzania in terms of, you know, whose domain is this and and where does this sit from a regulatory perspective? And and based on our discussions with the regulators, we've been made to understand that because we're not dealing with occupational health and diseases, this really sits under the Public Health Act and the directives of the Ministry of Health. And the reason why, you know, as lawyers, we, we find that interesting is because on a strict reading of the law, we would say that under OSHA, an employer does still have a general duty of care to its employees. So we think that, you know, as far as advising our, our clients goes, our position has been that out of an abundance of caution, cover your bases on both sides. So even though this is, you know, Ministry of Health domain, just make sure that you've dotted your I's and crossed your T's on the occupational health and safety side as well, because there could potentially be exposure there down the line. And, you know, to to break that down a little bit further, to give you a sense of some of the specific legal obligations that employers have, under OSHA, for instance, if you have more than four employees in Tanzania, then you need to have a written health and safety policy. There's also a requirement to have wash basins, you know, in your place of work, one basin for every 15 people. So it's a gentle reminder for employers to have a quick check on on some of these things that they need to do. And on the public health side, it's slightly different. It's more of a notification requirement. So the really big one there is in the event that you do unfortunately have an outbreak or have an employee that's infected, you do have an obligation under the Public Health Act to let your district medical officer or your nearest government health authority know And the ball then sort of shifts into their court to come in and decide, are they going to temporarily shut you down? Are they going to disinfect the workplace? And we don't actually have, you know, statutorily prescribed timelines for any of this. So it does create a little bit of uncertainty among some of the employers because, you know, the common questions we get are, well, am I going to get shut down and how long am I going to get shut down for? Because obviously that has an immediate, you know, financial impact and we don't have answers to that, uh, what we have seen in practice is that although the law says that this is going to shift to the health authorities, they are in fact leaving quite a bit at the discretion of the employer. So a few of the large workplaces where we know that there have been incidents, the employer has really sort of taken the lead, you know, to temporarily close down. It's ranged anywhere from, you know, one day to three weeks and just really stay in touch with the authorities to make sure that they're aligned on the steps that they're taking in order to get back to a normal routine. Well, let's just talk about this then. If employees are in the workplace and the employer has taken 
the necessary precautions. And again, cases are changing, business is open, but people are visiting all the time. You have people coming in and out of your business. You have employees that may go out and travel but need to come back. So is there a rule or some accommodation or requirement that is that employers can implement screening protocols or mandatory testing for their employees? Can that happen in Tanzania? So we don't have a specific official directive on this point, but what we have seen from the way that the government has handled the pandemic from the very first case is that testing has been centralized. So we have a national laboratory that, that processes all the tests. There are designated health facilities that are authorized to carry out the tests. And from our discussion with the regulator, we've been made to understand that testing is where the line is. So an employer can implement a number of other screening protocols. There's nothing stopping you from you know, taking temperatures of your employees as they come in, any form of other standard health check. But if you are going to, to test them, then you should not take that step unilaterally. You would need to first check in with the Ministry of Health uh, in order to have their blessing uh, before you start carrying out COVID-19 testing. Well, then what does happen if there is an infection? And you did mention, again, some businesses are taking matters into their own hands, which I really, I, you know, we don't hear that very often. We don't hear that the government is putting the confidence in the business to use good judgment and, and move that forward. And I'm going to want to chat about, you know, the liability to that as well. But what happens if there is an, an infection in the workplace? Is the employer required to do anything specifically based on government guidelines or directives? So the specific requirement on this is the notification requirement. So you've, you've got, if that happens in your workplace, you've got to let the district medical officer or the nearest health authority know. And it, that's pretty much it as far as the statute goes. And it's interesting to see how you know, countries that are so close together have different ways of handling this. And even if you look across the East African region at our neighbors in Kenya or you know, across in Rwanda or in, in Uganda, you know, we, we actually had a, a webinar on this a week ago. And we were just comparing notes to see how different the protocols were. So, you know, in, in Tanzania, you just have to let the authorities know that's all our statute says. Whereas in other countries, there are more specific requirements that say that if it happens, it's almost like a skeletal emergency protocol that's set out for you. But in our instance, it, it goes back to my earlier point that, you know, it's, it's really, really important for employers to be super proactive on having something in place because we don't have it formally set. Nobody's done it for you, if, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Well, then clearly, I guess my next question is, so what happens if there is an infection in the workplace and the employer, in essence, has taken matters into their own hands to ensure that they notify people, but there's a liability that comes from that. So can employers be held liable for infections in the workplace? The liability question is, is a really interesting one. And obviously, probably the most pressing one for, for most employers. And our position on that is that if there's a breach of an employer's obligations under the Occupational Health and Safety Act or the Public Health Act, then yes, there is a possibility that liability may attach. And you know, from a, from a practical perspective, it's difficult to prove, right? So you know, I think that's what uh, you know, the sort of general narrative is that Yes, the claims may come, but it's a, it's a finding of fact and the burden of proving that, you know, you got the infection while you were in the workplace uh, is a difficult one. And so I think the way that we see it is, although that may not necessarily be proved, 
it doesn't necessarily let you off the hook because if there was an investigation and you know if the authorities did look in to see what you did do and what you didn't do if you sort of fell behind on your other obligations then it could potentially create exposure for you yeah here in the us we have and again around the globe there's something called contact tracing so if you did get the virus they actually go back through and say well who did you who were you with and where were you there and so forth? And they can often figure out from that, well, if this person had the virus, you had contact, that may be where it came from. But it sounds like in this case that, again, the burden of proof is, is on the infected, not on the employer. But are there, are there insurance options that employers can carry to kind of mitigate some of the liability here? So in Tanzania, as far as employer uh, liability insurance goes, because COVID is not something that arises from, you know, the work that's being carried out or necessarily from from the workplace itself, it tends to be excluded from most of the policies. So from our discussions, uh, you know, with some of the insurance providers in Tanzania, employers aren't likely to get coverage for this under their general policies. And, you know, from a business interruption perspective, there are a couple of options available where, you know, employers in the event that they need to shut down for a certain period of time, you know, may be able to put claims through for, for business interruption. But again, there's, there's a burden of proof challenge. And also, I understand that just globally, a lot of these covers are coming at a significant premium. So they, they may exist in theory, but I think practically they're posing hurdles for, for employers. So this will be interesting because now, again, that the skies are open and Tanzania is a popular destination for people to visit and they're going to be coming from other parts of the world where perhaps COVID is at a different phase. Uh, This is how it spread the first time, people coming back from Italy or China and look what happened. So I'm I'm hopeful that while things are, are buttoned up in Tanzania from the, you know, environment that is where people are every day, that when people start to come back into that market from other areas that they don't bring it. But what are some of the key takeaways that you have for employers as they return to the physical workspace? Probably the the biggest thing, Peter, is that when you've had a narrative for almost four months now, which is it's business as usual, I think it tends to create a sense of complacency. And I think my, my caution to employers is that you should not assume that just because it's business as usual, that there isn't a potential liability, you know, either on the health and safety side or the employment side when you've made certain, you know, decisions relating to your employees and your operations. So I think it's a good time to get your house in order uh, and, and probably run a, a quick check to see what are your obligations, number one, be very clear on that, Uh, go through and check your policies, Uh, you know, have you checked the boxes and and got your basics in place. And if you need to bridge any gaps, it's probably a good time to do that. It's not too late. And, And I think that, you know, again, the, you know, we are a product of our environment. And I think that because in Tanzania, things have generally been relaxed. I think a lot of employers have sort of considered it as, well, it's a chapter closed and you know, we need to get moving and we need to continue operating. And I think some of these things may be slipping by the wayside. Um, so I think in, in, in a nutshell, we cannot underestimate uh, you know, the potential implication that COVID-19 may have you know, down the line when some of these things start to you know, crop up three months, six months, um, you know, nine months later. 
Well, great advice, Shemaine. And again, for those listening in, you know, Tanzania is in a different place than we've heard about in quite a while. And they've taken a lot of matters into their own hands as employers. And at this point, it's business as usual, but time will tell. So Shemaine, I hope you can stay safe and healthy and, uh, and that you are uh, continuing to do well. And uh, please check in with us from time to time and let us know how things are evolving. Thanks, Pete. It was great to be back and uh, look forward to catching up with you soon. Wonderful. If you'd like to connect with Shemaine from ANK, our ELA member firm in Tanzania, or any of our lawyers around the world, please search for them on the ELA website at ela.law. Just go to the big Find a Lawyer widget in the center of the page, click on the drop-down box where you can sign up to receive invitations for upcoming webinars, download white papers, get access to our on-demand content, or access the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. Also, just out, check out our new webinar series, The Reimagined Workplace, where the ELA is bringing global updates from 80 jurisdictions across 17 different programs, all in six weeks. There's no other organization in the world that can bring this kind of employment expertise. So for more details, check out the Employment Law Alliance on LinkedIn or visit the ELA at ela.law forward slash webinars. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Pete Waltz. Thanks for listening.